Sean Moriarty from Nerds on Film here to talk to you about Audible.com. Audible.com has thousands of audiobooks for your listening enjoyment. And if you're like me, you enjoy hearing things rather than reading them. I mean, that's why we all listen to podcasts, right? So if you go to our website and go to either the blog or the podcast section and click on any of our blog posts or episode posts, you'll be able to see an Audible.com banner. If you click on that and sign up for a 30-day trial, you'll get a free audiobook, and you'll also give us a little bit of money. And we need money. We need it really bad. I need an operation on my sense of humor. It's seriously starting to damage people. So go to our website, nerdonomy.com, click on the podcast or the blogs, and help us out. Listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. Welcome to Nerds on Film. Happy 2014, people. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I'm Sean Moriarty. And filling in for our vacant, sadly vacant co host spot, we have a Nerdonomy regular, first time on Nerds on Film. You know her as the host of the Finding Our Hunger podcast, as well as the blogger of In My Skinny Jeans, Miss Kyla Prince. Hello, hello. Welcome. Is that good enough intro? I think so. I think it's quite, quite wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Queen of all she surveys, <laughs> Kyla Prince. <laughs> I like that on the last note. I like how that men in tights, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Shh. laughs> yeah. Giving it away. You're giving away our topic. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> don't talk about it yet. Well, I think the other reason why we want you on the show tonight, aside from the fact that you love the topic that we are going to be uh, speaking about, is that, well, you, Sean, and I were, and Eric, of course, we were in Vegas a week ago today. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, we were, we were about to have dinner and go see Penn and Teller a week ago. That's crazy. How crazy oh, wow. is that? It seems like last year. Yeah. It also seems like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time, time's funny like that in the TARDIS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we did... T- we, if, God, if we only had an actually functioning TARDIS, we would not have to have drive nine hours to Vegas. Nine hours. Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure you... For me, would... it was way worse because it was eight hours there, but ten hours back because mm-hmm. of the time change. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's yeah. awful. That's weird. awful. I think you were, like, at one point, I think you were chewing an entire pack of bubblegum at some point to stay awake. I think it was three, actually. <laughs> three packs of... Yeah. And well, I mean, I drove for, what, a good two and a half hours, so... Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was my uh, roadside, like, focus, you know, stay awake sort of... Uh... That keeps you awake? Um, not really, no. I ended up passing out from I was going to say, there's rush, this yeah. thing out there called... Um... Uh, methamphetamines and that will <laughs> definitely keep you up the whole drive well, and focused I um, mean this is th- it was bad enough I'm a health coach so it was bad enough I was going you know chewing gum but um, I think meth ooh. might be a problem yeah <laughs> I mean this is the point where we had to what <laughs> shit I mean it was literally getting to the point I gotta call some people hold on <laughs> it was literally getting to the point when we were almost home we were about probably about an hour from home and we pulled over and did a uh, nondescript Asian fire drill to <laughs> oh, yeah. to switch drivers. It's a Chinese fire drill. Don't lump the entire you continent. You said it, in. not I. You <laughs> said it. Don't lump in the entire continent. It's a Chinese fire drill. I think nondescript Asian it's a fire, fire drill, drill that, is funny. Once you're done with it, you don't feel sated and you just need to do another fire drill later. It's just like the food. <laughs> oh, my <Wow>. God. <laughs> Sean, 
<laughs> Dear God. Hey, that's not a that's not a joke. MSG makes you feel like you're hungry even when you're full. Okay. And Fair that enough. is why people have always complained that Chinese food after they ate it made them feel like they were hungry thirty minutes after. Too well, okay. That Touché. And all the carbs. Bomb. Yeah, and then the carbs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Seventeen cups of rice uh, can do that to you as well. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Point taken. We're kind of spiraling already here. Let's and we haven't said any swear words yet. Someone say a curse word. God Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Okay. I'm, I'm going to abstain, guys. <laughs> I apologize. Oh, okay. Well, whenever Taint. the spirit moves I you. I said one for her. Thank you. You're welcome. You get to say double for me for the rest of the show. It's awesome. Okay. Taint, taint. <laughs> Wait, did you mean then? <laughs> I, let's, let's go with it. I'm down. Okay. <laughs> she's down with taint she's down with double taint folks <laughs> Kyla we're Prince, just, we're just down saying. with taint you could put that banner on your website now <laughs> oh and I agreed to do this again why <laughs> I don't know oh man well you know so anyway we were in uh, we were in Las Vegas it was a lot of fun we met a lot of cool people like Pendulations and t- Teller yeah yeah, we yeah we met them briefly I mean it looks really cool but honestly they will see everyone after their show they will shake hands with and take pictures with anybody that's true after their show if you hang out yeah we saw some awesome speakers um yeah some truly awesome speakers scott stratton pat flynn mm-hmm. were probably the two highlights of that chris whole. ducker you weren't there for that i wasn't there for ducker i was going somewhere else but um and by the way every cool person that we met and actually like spoke with uh we would not have spoken with if kyla didn't introduce it <laughs> <laughs> to us. Yeah, she were kind of our social butterfly. <laughs> yeah, for well, us. I'm kind of a Twitter whore, so um, those of you who want to follow me, at Miss Skinny Jeans, I love I love Twitter. It's pretty much everyone who I've met in the past year and a half has been through Twitter. Um, but we did get to meet some people. I just, I was ashamed I didn't ask for photo opportunities. I was literally two feet from Minion Fogarty. Oh, Like, we were in the Fogarty. same panel together, and she didn't, I didn't even know who she was until she said, oh, by the way, I'm Grammar Girl. I was like, Oh my god! Oh, I should have gotten a picture. I love Grammar Girl. Yeah. yeah she's um, wonderful. I went to her panel actually, uh Women in Podcasting. Oh yeah? Yeah. She's she's awesome. Just, I'm so glad you were able to go. Yeah, thank you for the tickets. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> like, hey, I would have totally gone to that session if it didn't conflict with like two other ones that uh we also needed to see. That's why Kyla was there so she could take notes and give it to us. Were there were there guys in that? Did you take panel? notes, Kyla? I'm um I did take I sent you all notes. I sent you all notes two days ago. I just haven't checked my email in two days. Yeah. I'm a bad email person. <laughs> but just so you know, I took notes. But um, actually, I think there were two men in the audience for that one because, okay. yeah, you put women in anything and then nobody shows up because, yeah. you know. I always want to show up because that's where all the chicks are. Well, right? Right? <laughs> See, there you go. Seriously, you walk go, in there, Sean. there'll be one of two dudes and be like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> We yeah, also I'm here because I'm concerned with this issue too. What are you where? where what's your room number? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Sean. Wow. <laughs> we, we we also I know I'm not really that much of an asshole. I know I like. know, but like right now you sound like the person that most people at cons complain about. Yeah. <laughs> we uh we also what's met. What's up? We, <laughs> I like Xena Warrior Princess too. Hey, what's <laughs> up? Lucy Lawless is autograph and autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that as Marky Mark, please? That whole thing. You just said. hi. <laughs> you like Xena Warrior Princess? I produce Entourage. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> I'm just going to do a short one. Uh, that's fine. Um, we also met someone from Geek and Sundry, too, uh, Jenny. So uh, that was fun to you know, kind of rub nerdy elbows, as it were. <laughs> so, um, Dirty nerd elbow rubbing orgies <laughs> is what happened. <laughs> that's 
I mean, that's that's fairly accurate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. whenever whenever you go to any sort of event like this, um, it basically is just an opportunity to have an elbow rubbing orgy. Well, I will it's say, true, but we did have protection. <laughs> you know, the sleeve yeah. of an argyle sweater really does the job. <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, they haven't developed elbow condoms yet. So, uh, I was gonna say that it was kind of cool because when I was at the panels and I mentioned the term nerdonomy. Um, we got some heads turned, and that's for one of two reasons. Either one, they'd heard of us, which is not what happened. Uh, but two, the name was interestingly enough that it got some people interested just by title alone. So I thought that was kind of cool. I got to mm-hmm. hand out some business cards because of that. So, yeah. Modef. It was a shitload of fun. It was. Except for driving home. <laughs> and hey. except for the fact that Eric could only win at gambling with my money. <laughs> his money, he <clears throat> fucking just lost money. That's true. I'm sure Eric will, will will talk about that on Nerds on History. So, anyway, why don't we get to the topic for this evening? All right. Well, it's January, which is a special time for me. It's uh, known as... January is a special time in a young woman's life. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, uh, precursor here, I'm sick. I've been sick all week. I'm trying really hard to maintain, so please pardon any hacking, coughing, sniffing, sure, sure, sure. death that sick might happen. Anyway, is code word for has a cocaine problem. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> I may be scratching my nose a lot, and I know it's kind of dry, and there might be blood, but um, and you're sweating. Uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> and you have a and you have a copy of Scarface 30th anniversary DVD in your back pocket. And right. you were you were pacing back and forth, rambling. You know, <laughs> incessantly right before we were recording so i don't know guys it's the pseudofed all right <laughs> sure oh shit that's right <laughs> anyway um so january every year for me is mel brooksuary which is um my marathon month of all mel brooks movies obviously longtime listeners know that i'm a huge fan uh so I don't know. It kind of started a couple of years ago where randomly after watching um, on New Year's Day, I was watching the Rose Bowl Parade and I just decided to throw in Men in Tights because I felt like watching like a dumb comedy. While There's okay. never a day where it's not a good day to just throw in Men in Tights. I know. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I Amen. think I was just I think I was just trying to like veg out and recover from the night before. And then after watching Men in Tights, I was like, I just want to watch another Mel Brooks movie. And ended up watching three that day. And then I've decided, yes. I was like, nope, it's Mel Brooksuary now. From This is the first annual Mel Brooksuary, and every January will now be Mel Brooksuary. And this is the first time we're doing it on the podcast. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do it. Well, I don't know if we can do it for years to come. Maybe we'll do the more obscure ones next year. But Maybe. We've got- and for any of our listeners who may have read my Denzel Marchington blog i totally stole this whole movie month idea from sarah i want that to be known sarah had mel brooksuary which inspired me to even dedicate another month yeah. and, and kevin had james james novembond yeah as well. yeah yep. and then kevin had but the sad thing is our fans have probably seen mine and kevin's before sarah's right a chance this to even say that she's the only reason that we did that that's okay and and next year i want to do meryl streep temper um <gasps> so <laughs> That we just, just got to have them all done. Yes. Actually, no, there's some months, like most of the summer months, you can't do this because we, we're busy trying to see movies in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, um, I also think we should do a Daniel May Lewis, too. So, um. <laughs> oh my I don't, but May is opening month for all the great summer movies. You can't, I know. There's too much. I know. It is, so it is really tough. Day. It is really tough. Are you committed, Sean? I'm committed. I don't know. I am <laughs> committed, but my life already is non-existent beyond this podcast can we and do- work. Can we can we do a one time only Oprah Winfrey? Because we can do Color Purple, Beloved, The Butler. I think that's it. That might be that might be the only three movies she's, she's been in. Oh, okay. 
But yes, no. Oprah Winfrey, no, no. Okay, but what? Month? It's only a movie a week. Yeah. So April, because it's April. I. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. April. I thought it was funny, but all right, you no, know, whatever. That's fine. It's fine. They can't all be gold. So no nerds <laughs> watch Oprah, Brian. <laughs> anyway, um... correction: every nerd watches Oprah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So in the interest of kicking off the uh, Mel Brooks where on the podcast, we kind of arbitrarily picked Blazing Saddles. Which is fitting. He rode a blazing saddle. I love the fact that the guy who recorded that song, that intro song, had no idea that it was a satire. <laughs> so like he sang that song so damn earnestly and it was perfect. Yeah, because it puts yeah. you right into it like this is a legitimate Western. Because yeah. that's the first time I saw it. My grandparents showed it to me when I was like 10 or 11. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, another Western movie. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like, wow, they're really not shying away from the racial language in this movie either. <laughs> And I'm laughing at it a lot. What's wrong with me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think the reason why we're doing it first is because, I don't know if there's really many Mel Brooks scholars out there, but I think there many people... There should be. Oh, my gosh. That, one... would be, that would be the greatest major in college ever. I would, I would have liked college <laughs> my master a in Mel million Brooks. times more. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. going to I'm gonna give myself the title of Mel Brooks scholar. <laughs> that would be great. If I go to film school, I want to get my master's degree in Mel Brooks. <laughs> Alright, done guys. Yeah. Done. This I, is I, I I am the foremost authority on Mel Brooks, other than Mel Brooks himself. <laughs> right, there we go. I slept on Mel Brooks's I don't couch know. Have you listened days. to Mel Brooks recently? I'm sure Mel Brooks knows less about Mel Brooks than you do right now. I don't know, actually. He's kind of he's pretty sharp for his age. Yeah. You think so? I, I really listen, do. I listened yeah. to him uh on a Nerdist podcast. That was yeah. That wasn't recorded that long ago. I yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty sharp. recent. Yeah, yeah, they did a documentary on him too uh, on PBS. Yeah, and he talked a lot. Yeah, about... That's probably just one interview I saw him with where he seemed really out of it, and I was like, no. I don't know. I think well, I think Stanley is actually less sharp than Mel Brooks oh, is yeah. right now. And he's ninety one, so you know, yeah, but, yeah. But Mel Brooks is getting into his mid to late eighties at this point. I think he's eighty five. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. So I think the reason why we talk about this movie, why we want to talk about it first is because many people argue it's one of his best. I think it's a three-way tie. Either I'm spending too much time with Sarah or I, yeah. just, I can't. Or, uh, it's like, sound like me. You can't make a decision. Or it really is. They're just that good. It's. I think it's a three-way tie between Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and The Producers. Yeah. Ooh. The Producers is Fuck really, you for not having good. space balls in there. Mm, well, so yeah, here's the thing. Yeah. Spaceballs is amazing, and um, I'll say Robin Hood Menetize is my favorite Mel Brooks movie. I've seen it more times than I think I've seen any other movie in the world. Wow. But I, I do, <laughs> I do agree with Brian that I think that those are the top, like the three best quality, most well known. The Holy quality. Trinity. Yeah, you know. Of... And we're talking about Gene Wilder, Zero Mostel producers. Yeah, and Gene, yeah, Wilder, yeah, yeah, Gene yeah. Wilder's yeah. in all of them, by the way. So yeah. what is that? Because I do you? enjoy the musical, the newer one, but. Mm. Mm, Actually, this not is, as much as the original. This is really tough for me because, I mean, granted, I love all of those movies. I love them. You don't. There's a reason why Mel Brooks where he's a thing for me. Um, but <clears throat> I think it's Young Frankenstein, the producers, and Silent Movie. I think Silent Movie is better than Blazing Saddles, in my opinion, for me. Ooh. So that's. I know that's tough, but um, listeners. I'm, at Sarah Ash sixteen is the Twitter handle of the person to send all of the hate to. <laughs> I, I didn't say that I dislike Blazing Saddles. I love this movie, but Blazing Saddles is like in the top five comedy movies ever, though. Mm-hmm. I, okay, that's fair enough. And Young Frankenstein's probably that's in like the top everyone. 15. I'm speaking for everyone. Anybody that disagrees with me. We're shipping you to Mars because Earth <laughs> is for people that agree with this you know, five movie list. I'm sorry if you don't find Mel Brooks funny, like. 
do you have a soul? Like seriously, were you were you beaten as a child routinely? Like well, and and kept a in a fridge or there's something? A lo- wow, that's <laughs> awfully graphic. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who feel sometimes that Mel Brooks is a little middling, which is you know whatever. Mel Brooks himself is actually extremely intelligent, extremely well read, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of jokes that are awfully cerebral. Um, that are kind of interlaced with, yeah, the slapstick humor and the stuff that's a little bit more... Fart yes. jokes. Yeah. I mean, in that the PBS interview... fart jokes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But that's the best part about the it. The first fart joke. Yes. yes. First on screen. In Hollywood history. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he... In Blazing Saddles. That's true. And we thanks to him, we have pretty much dick and fart jokes to... Yeah, and it. that's the reason that the movie got put into the Library of Congress in 2005. They said it was culturally significant because it was the first time there was a fart joke in a mm, major, major Okay, that's picture. not necessarily true. One critic said that that was the reason why I got added in. Um, the Library of Congress, I think, was adding it in for the satire on the racial commentary. Yeah, which we'll talk about in, in just a moment. But Can't um, we just believe that it was farts? Yes, and we'll believe that it was Congress. the farts. Well, I'm <laughs> going to say, Mel Brooks is the only guy I know who can make <laughs> dick and fart jokes highbrow. I know, right? <laughs> right? Um, I mean, the guy, like, to comment on, on his reading, I mean, I, I was watching on a PBS interview a couple months ago. Like, he would spend at least two or three hours a night reading in his study, but he'd be reading, like, Joyce, he'd be reading Tolstoy, yeah. I mean, he's reading, like, serious literature. He understands, like, symbolism and deep story structure, and he applies that to his ridiculous writing. Yeah. But that makes you wonder, well, how ridiculous really is it, you know? There's mm-hmm. definitely a lot deeper of a message underneath the uh, supposedly light humor. So, taking it to Blazing Saddles... Um, Let's kind of talk about where Mel Brooks was at in his career right before he was making this movie. Um, He is, um, at this point, fucking broke. (laughs) Seriously, seriously broke. He had made two movies prior. He had made The Producers, which got him a lot of really good critical acclaim. Including a Reading Academy Award. Yes. However, it didn't make him a whole hell of a lot of money because it was basically showing in limited theaters and art houses and that kind of thing. So he was kind of actually known for making these more intellectual and cerebral type movies. So The Producers was a little bit higher brow, I think, if you compare it to Blazing Saddles and the ones thereafter. And then Twelve Chairs was his second movie, which he had written based off of an old Russian story. That one did not meet as much success. I I watched that one as part of Mel Brooks' Wary, and it is probably one of my least favorites. There are some good jokes in there, but it's just not as punchy is successful i think as mm-hmm. the producers was and it kind of lacks the what became more of the mel brooks signature later yeah. on well the producer stands out and i mean we'll, we're probably going to do a whole episode on them or if not we'll talk about, Definitely it, talk next about year. it yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean the producers was unique because it was a totally original story yeah he made his career doing parodies because of films like blazing saddles and a young frankenstein which came out in the same year if we, I think we might have mentioned before, they came out in two different... Yeah, yeah. Blazing Saddles came out in February of 1974, and then Young Frankenstein came out later on that yeah. year. He was writing Blazing Saddles with Gene... Or writing Young Frankenstein with Gene Wilder during Blazing Saddles. Um, anyway, he was coming off of those two movies and basically was cruising down the street, completely poor. Um, as he put it, he was looking in the gutter for loose change, and somebody approached him, a friend of his, and said, hey, look, I've got this script. Um, it was Andy Bergman. 
um, yes. approached him and said, hey, I've got this script I've been working on. I want you to read it um, and see what you think. And it was originally called Tex X, which was some uh, kind of like allusion to Malcolm X type thing. Yeah, I think the the argument against it was that it was uh, a little bit too much like a black exploitation title. So yeah. they kind of shied away from that. But yeah. Yeah, it was a little too much. And then that's and then Black Bart was the other option. Mm-hmm. And I guess he came up with Blazing Saddles while he was in the shower. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but it was the day that they were going to start shooting. He came up with it in the shower that morning. Yeah. So they were working on the script. Um, they ended up wrangling a couple of partners. So I think ultimately five people wrote the script, including Richard Pryor, who at the time mm-hmm. was a relatively unknown stand-up comic in New York at the time. And, uh, and Mel Brooks was a huge fan of him. And so he said, like, look, you need to come on in. And with Richard Pryor and Cleavon Little participating in the process, I think that helped because um, Mel Brooks has even said they were kind of the ones of making it appropriate of when you can use the N-word and when, when you couldn't. And when they were basically giving it the okay of like, no, that's actually too offensive or not. So True. And yeah. we're skipping over a little piece of... Uh trivia mm-hmm. about that and that's that Richard uh, Pryor was basically promised the role that Cleveland Little eventually got yeah. by Mel Brooks and then because like Mel, Mel Brooks has even said that he promised it to him without even really having the power to do that and the studio thought that he was too too obscure to actually let do it so Richard yeah. Pryor actually and to think it could have been the partnership with Gene Wilder it could have started like a whole few years earlier too um, well and Actually, it wasn't that Richard Pryor was too obscure. It was that with his drug and alcohol problems, they thought oh, yeah. he, they thought he was too much of a risk. He was going to be a liability. So that's why they said no, which is funny because when you look at the casting of the Waco Kid, Gene Wilder's character. It was, it was originally another actor. It was a re- yeah. It, so yeah. he and Gene Wilder were friends and he passed the script over and just kind of in the process. And Gene Wilder's been reading it and was like, man, this is kind of awesome. Like, I like this, but... I want to play the Waco Kid. It's like, no, 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 no. I need somebody who's like old, grizzled, has some lines on their face. Mm-hmm. And they wanted Dan Daly. He couldn't do it because he was basically going blind. And then so they got Gig Young and they started to film it and they were doing the the upside down hanging from the jailhouse bunkers. The, the, the first moment. Yeah. 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 And Gig Young actually <laughs> apparently was a severe alcoholic and basically started breaking down right in the set. Apparently, there was green stuff coming out of his nose. Yeah, he had some pretty bad DTs, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so at the last minute, they brought in Gene Wilder, who yeah. like came in like on a day's notice yeah. to do the movie and knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. You know? His acting and his monologues in that movie, spot on. Like he, The dialogue is, is, I think, intentionally trite. You know, it's very common, like, tropes you would see in a Western movie. You know, I was yeah. the, the hottest guy in the West, and then... I lost my mojo or whatever you want to call it, you know, lost a spark uh, in this case. <laughs> little bastard shot me in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> little bastard shot me in the ass. Um, but he was just so earnest with his performance of those that dialogue mm-hmm. that just you, you go with it, you believe it. That moment when he's hanging upside down and just, I don't know, are we black? <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we're awake. <laughs> but we're, we're very, very puzzled. Yes. <laughs> That is perfect. (laughs) I think like only Gene Wilder could have delivered it that way. Mm -hmm. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so damn good. So that's kind of like most of the pre-production. I, I guess the couple of the writers who were involved um, in the process of why they were trying to sell the script had dropped off, and it was hard for them to sell the script. Oh, actually, I forgot that. As part of the casting of The Waco Kid, mm-hmm. um, in between Gig Young and Dan Daly, Mel Brooks ran into john wayne oh yeah and yeah, like this. the studio commissary and was like hey i got a script i want you to be in it like read it and john wayne takes it home and apparently he was laughing his ass off mm-hmm. but he was like i cannot be in this it would ruin my image but i'll be first in line to go see it <laughs> yeah, no, literally the quote is i can't do it i'm john wayne yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's true if john wayne had done it it would have mm-hmm. been i mean it would have been tremendous but it totally would have ruined his career but yeah it it is very interesting because John Wayne was a you know a very staunch conservative guy. I want to argue that it could have also given him a totally different career doing like western spoofs and spoofs of his characters that he's done before. Yeah, because it was seventy four. We're talking seventy four. John Wayne was already kind of on the decline. He could have revitalized his career. Yeah. It might have been a bad. Well, move this on is his part. this is pre True Grit, I think, and True Grit was probably like his his opus, you know. Yeah. So I and then he did Rooster Cogburn. His magnum opus, was like. Uh. Yeah, they, it's like you didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let Jeff Bridges take care of this far, far in the future. We've seen it. We have a TARDIS. We've seen it. <laughs> He's gonna do a decent job. Yeah, exactly. It's true. I mean, he had a pretty set image in that place, and I don't. Well, I think it's cool that he didn't deny the film for the fact that it was that he was not okay being a, a parody of his own characters. I think it was just he was playing the business side of it. He was making a, a smart career yeah, move. Yeah. Um, the fact that he was open to being in a parody of what have been would have been pretty much every single character he's played uh, was awesome. Well, he did a lot of that kind of stuff on, on TV appearances and everything, like on, right. on sketch shows and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, let's also talk about just how controversial this movie was at, a, at the time, Oy. too. <laughs> I mean... Oy, indeed. I mean, aside from the fact that the word does not... Or the, the movie does not shy away from using the N-word at all no but um, in the right context in a yeah. in a way that was meant to be not offensive correct so. and it was culturally accurate yeah um the fact i mean there's so much stuff that's going on like there's even the race the racial tensions and racial themes put aside there is so much like innuendo in this movie mm. And it's, just, it's really what was what's the woman's name? Lily von Stupp. Lily von Stupp, exactly. I love, love, love Madeline Kahn in this movie. Oh, it is amazing. not even funny. She's amazing. There's yeah. a reason why she's one of my comedy idols. Or the it's twoo. <laughs> oh, oh! This is my favorite little factoid about that scene. Okay, sorry. This is gonna happen. <laughs> That's fine. When they were doing this, um, Mel Mel Brooks had final director's cut. Okay, whatever the studio said, he had final cut. Thank goodness. Yeah, that was in his contract. So, um, when they were when they were screening it, they wanted to cut the scene where the horse got punched. They wanted to cut <laughs> all the things they were going to cut. I know. They wanted to cut the farting scene and they wanted to cut the um like it's true, it's true that whole they wanted to cut a lot of stuff. So, he said no, 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 no. He kept all those things. The one thing that he agreed to cut was during that scene where it's the blackout and, you know, oh, is it true what they say? And, mm-hmm. oh, it's true, it's true. And apparently there was a part where Cleavon Little says, baby, that's my arm you're sucking. Yeah. <laughs> and so they agreed to cut that part out. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been hilarious. Oh. I think that was a little much, actually. I was no, like, I could kind of see that one being cut. Yeah. I mean, he, never. He could have gone and just said, that's my arm, but... Yeah, well, I think, you know, the thing is, like, 
Mel Brooks is really good at knowing where the line is between, like, way too much and, like, okay, now time to pull it back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he's over the top, but in a way where, like, you feel almost like you're in on the joke because you get the jokes, you know? And if you if you put it out there and you're just, you make it really obvious, like, hey, this is a dick joke. Like, right. <sighs> You know, you just like, described my life, Kyla. Thank you. <laughs> hey, this yeah. is a dick joke. Yeah, I have that tattooed on my forearm. Yeah. Hey, this is a dick joke. I th- <laughs> and I hold it up right before I'm about to say one so everyone knows. There you go. Put earmuffs on the kids or send grandma to her room. Well, I think that's really fitting then. You're sucking on my arm. I think it's perfect. There, it works. There you go. There you go. How about, okay, so can we just, I know this is kind of toward the end of the movie, but this is my favorite scene in pretty much all of cinema of all time. And of course, I haven't seen that many movies, so I, you know, whatever, it's not really saying much. But, okay, when they go to the uh, put out your hands, stick out your tush scene. Oh my God, the French mistake. (laughs) Oh my God. The French mistake. It is. That's what they call it. Okay, but I mean, think about how offensive that even could be. Oh, no, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, they use the F word and it's. Watch me back. There you go, yeah. right? Like, yeah. think about how, I mean, this is the 70s. This is not just like... Yeah. Well, so, and that is that is one thing, because if you look at this movie and put it in a context of now, this movie would not have been able to be made at all. Yeah. No. And not for the racist aspects of it, but because I think of the um, gay slurs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I think, that, I think that's actually where it crosses the line. Can we not forget... Yeah, but I, that was a theme in a lot of early Mel Brooks movies. I know. I mean, History mm-hmm. of the World Part 1's got a lot of yeah. insensitivity towards homosexuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we also not forget the Native Americans who sound like Yiddish Jews? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Definitely. Laws in game! <laughs> let yeah. them go. <laughs> Which actually means let them go. Yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a lot of stuff in here that, like... You know, like, I, I don't know. It's weird because there's, like, that one point where we're, like, oh, we're just, we're so evolved as a culture. Like, none of this, the fart scene. I mean, come on. I've seen, the, you know, Seth Rogen movies. Like, whatever. Not a big deal. But then you look at the other side of it and you're, like, oh, wow, we couldn't make this. Like, this this would be the biggest disaster in the yeah. history of whatever studio makes right. it, you know? So. Right. It would not have happened. At least, it, specifically, is with that French mistake scene, okay. <laughs> which is so damn funny. <laughs> but, so like, funny. all of the, like, the people mm-hmm. doing the, the sissy, sissy gay well, men kind well, of thing. Well, he calls them sissy like, Marys, you know? Yeah, like, you brute, yeah. you brute, you brute, you brute! Yeah. And he just starts falling and crying. <laughs> or, or the yeah, bit, starts crying not on the, the face, face, not the face, not the face. Or there's the bit where, um, the guy in the tuxedo and the one of the cowboys, they go underneath this little Mm-hmm. Walkway, yeah, and like, like he's like he's like gut. he's chasing him, and then all of a sudden they walk out and they're arm in arm and like talking about. It. So I'm staying. I'm just parked by the over by the commissary. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean that. But again, it just crosses every line because then they go into the commissary, right? And you've got Adolf Hitler at lunch. So <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> when are you done today? They lose me, me after, after the bunker, bunker scene. scene. <laughs> so fucking good. Um, well, actually, that so that scene. Um, this was actually one of Dom DeLuise's first movie appearances, too. This really? was a really early one for him. And his wife was also in the movie. She played the school marm, mm. the one who kind of like is like, oh. You were the leading asshole in the state. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I love that line. We, the God fearing <laughs> people like, oh of Rockridge. <laughs> the fact that you have sent him here just goes to prove that you are the leading asshole in the state. There you go. Do you there feel you better go. now? <laughs> Please I was just saying, like, I think probably one of my favorite parts, again, Lily Von Stoop, mm. aside from her, like, there's two parts about, like, <laughs> that I absolutely love. Her song, 
Fertile. Fertile. Tired of being admired. Tired of playing the game. <laughs> Ain't it a crying <laughs> shame? So good. Um, question. I love that. <laughs> They're always coming, coming and, and going, going, going and going and coming. And always too soon. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? <laughs> Let's face it. Everything below the waist is kaput. <laughs> <laughs> and then like and then afterwards when she's got him back in her room and she's like I'm going to go slip into something more comfortable and she like walks back instantly walks back out in like this gaudy sequin thing and she's like there I feel so refreshed <laughs> it's true yeah if the people who were listening and not don't have the visual I mean it's literally like it's covering her breasts and that's it yeah, much, yeah. and it's got like that like plume on the back and right she looks, she like, looks like a showgirl she looks like a circus performer yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so she looks like she rode in on an elephant uh, okay question Okay, mm-hmm. I was looking at the the Levon Stoop scenes, and I was thinking immediately little tr- traces back to Fanny Bryce. Yes or no? Maybe. Where do you see the parallel? I guess not so much in the comedy aspect. Well, in a little bit in the comedy aspect of it, but I just think that the way she chose to sing it, maybe even with the the accent she chose to perform it with. Yes, no, maybe. I think, um, she, I think she was channeling more like Marlene Dietrich. Yeah, I think that was thing. the idea was Marlene Dietrich. Um, oh, okay. You know, I think that I read somewhere that like Mel Brooks actually asked to see her legs. Yeah. Before he cast her, and she was like, "You're not going to touch them, are you?" He's like, "No, I just you, if you're going to play Dietrich, you got to look, you got to have the legs." Yeah. And he didn't touch her, and she was like, "What?" Yeah. He's <laughs> like, "No, I'm a married." I was like, "I'm a married man." He was actually just married to Anne Bancroft at the time. They were still newlyweds. Oh, Anne Bancroft. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> all right, then. I love me some Anne Brand all the way up to uh, keeping the faith. I don't even care how old she was. <laughs> all right, then. Wow. But, yeah, no, I mean, just Malin Khan, like, I, she's a rock star. She's a rock she star. Is. She just, she nailed it. Yeah, she really did. That's, and, I mean, especially in a cast that is so dominated by amazing male actors, because mm-hmm. this really is, this is a man's movie yeah you know and she freaking holds her own a friggin holds her own exactly woes how romantic i love how she just played that whole thing so completely deadpan sarcastic just like mm-hmm. oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and it's all a lot of the subtlety of her performance because i think the funniest part of her entire performance is in the middle of the song when she just goes she like tries so to like do that like large like please i just also love the after just the whole please have another schnitzengruben no 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 15 is my limit on schnitzengruben you are making a german spectacle of yourself I actually wish that there was way more Madeline Kahn. There could oh, have, they could have put her into a lot more yeah. of that movie. Did she did she get nominated for this? Uh, it won a WGA award for best comedy written directly for the screen. Uh, it did. She did get a best supporting actress nomination. Yes, right, which is good considering how she's not in that much of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like I'm saying, that she could have been in more. Like, yeah, that's all. The only gripe I have: more Madeline Kahn. I'm surprised. Actually. That- I'm surprised that we don't digitally put Madeline Kahn into just any movie. Right, There's exactly. like Madeline Kahn edition. <laughs> yes. Just as like a petition for that? I would, I would sign that. That would be that. sweet. Yeah. The Matrix, Madeline Kahn edition. <laughs> I might oh. watch more movies. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, and so... I'm surprised that Gene Wilder didn't get an Oscar nom for this. Right, yeah, I yeah, know. Mm-hmm. We got, only got nominated for Best Supporting Actress 
film editing and original song. Yeah. Really? Which I'm guessing was the Blazing, the Blazing Saddle, Saddle song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie also did a tremendous amount of money, and it was made for almost two, only $2.6 million. Yeah. It's also the fourth highest grossing R-rated movie um, yep. to this day. And it was, uh, the, it was only the 10th movie at the time to uh, have gone over $100 million in the box office. And uh, it was also apparently critically panned, except for Roger Ebert, who gave it four stars, which yeah. I find really interesting. Yeah, there were a lot of people who were very mixed about this movie when it first came out. Understandably so, because it's... And, and not, about the, not about the racial content or any of that. It That's was the not, first scene. Nothing to do. It was, they were just like, you know what? It's just, it's just not a great story. It goes all over the place. Uh-huh. I think actually... And what did this... you say, Sarah? I think it was the fart scene too. Yeah, that oh, the was, fart scene. Yeah. You think it was too much for the? I think yeah, for a lot of people, it was too much. People made a big deal about it. I yeah. mean, you know, it's. I mean, for us, it's like whatever. But when you put yourself back in the context of it, I mean, I'm actually personally still uncomfortable when I watch that scene. I don't have the problem with you know stampeding cattle through the Vatican. Kinky, sure, okay. Yeah, right. but <laughs> Thank you, you know, for bringing that but up. the fart gonna... scene, I still get a little bit. I don't know, just a little bit, you know, yeah, uncomfortable. So, yeah. I mean, and there's nothing, there's nothing particularly bad about it. It's just bodily function. But no, I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not really big on like fart jokes myself. So yeah. I was like, ooh, it's like, a guy thing. I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, I don't think I don't think the story's that much all over the place. They do actually a fairly good job of staying consistent. Of, I know. Like, mm-hmm. This is what the objective is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That these I know. these villains have, but I read I read some of those reviews and they're like, I, I a lot of it was like, I'm not sure what this movie's trying to be, and you know, I don't know what it's where it's going. Uh, a it's blatant spoof of a satire. Also, also, yeah. There's also like only a handful of critics that they're pulling all these things from. Oh, absolutely, because sure. it was 1974. Can we? Can well, we? Sorry, well, and it just also it gets very meta too, and I think a oh, lot yeah. of people God, thank you. are not really prepared for that. I think that's why I love that the the French mistake scene so much because yeah. I like I studied meta theater, like that was my thing. Right, um, you're in town is my favorite musical. So like watching this movie, it was like it was a joke about this very specific thing in its own context. And so I think if you're not a part of the world of Hollywood or you're not expecting it as a critic, kind of just going, well, I was expecting a spoof of a Western, not a spoof of the way we make Westerns or the way our... And that's fair enough. And I think actually a lot of people breaking... Well, Mel Brooks is known to break the fourth wall too. He Mm -hmm. just does it all the time. But like... Well, Hedley Lamar, why am I telling you this? He's responsible for, I think, making it as common as it is today. Like that was the first time and everybody just copies it. I mean, even up to like Family Guy today. And then breaking that whole fourth wall down and then crossing over into like the real world. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean that... So many people have done that. I mean, yeah, but I think... Mel Brooks was meta before there was even meta. Right. Like, that's the that's how that's, forth yeah, we're thinking he saying. was. Yeah, that's what I'm He reshaped comedy. Yeah. And, and let's talk for a second about the sheer brilliance of some of these quotes. There's the basic ones, like, of course, excuse me while I whip this out. I mean, that's that's just no blatant. <laughs> but I say that so much in real life. But, well, I'm taking out my phone, my keys, my wallet, <laughs> something from my pocket. I'm like, excuse me while I do it too much, in fact. <laughs> but, like, how about... I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> right? Which is a dated joke, but thankfully we're all nerds. Yeah, yeah like, like, we get it. like we get it. Um, just, I mean, Mongo. Ben Hur in Ten Commandments alone. Right. Or Mongo just pawn oh. in Game of Life. That's so heartbreaking. It's <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> or Sheriff Bart, only men treat Mongo like real person. <laughs> And to talk about the whole stampeding cattle thing, the quali- so qualifications, stampeding cattle, that's not much of a crime. Through the Vatican? Sign here. 
Kinky. 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 Yeah. Like, the sheer brilliance that, like, you have to know right off the bat that the KKK was an anti-Catholic organization first before you, like, to even find that joke, like, funny. And I think most people don't know that. So just, like, he's so, so sharp with his with his. Oh, gags. but what about the lead into that? It's like, hey, boys, look at what I oh. got here. Yeah. Where are all the white women at? Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> fucking funny. It's just brilliant. And the KKK, they've got on the back of their, their clan the outfit. Have a nice have day. Have a nice day with a smiley face. <laughs> Thank you. Really? No, that. actually, um, the quote where they have um, the Headley Lamar joke, which oh. goes through the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of, Headley. they talk about it, he's like, it's Headley, and he's like, what are you worrying about? She's, it's 18 something or other, she's like 50 years, you'll be able to sue her, right? right. She actually She yeah. actually sued Mel Brooks for the use of her name, they said it was an invasion of privacy, and they settled out of court for That's a pretty ridiculous. small no, there's a Oh, man, there was a really funny uh, what he said as a response to that. Um, it was something like, uh, I'm sorry for almost using your name. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the other joke? Oh, there's the, the best meta joke in there is when they're in front of the ground and trying to be serious. Like, hey, honey, look, I'm at Hedy Lamar's feet. It's Headley. 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 <laughs> He's rushing past He's getting like to walk in so fast. <laughs> Can we talk about how amazing he is? Yes. Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman oh. is amazing. Watching him on like the Carol Burnett show and that kind of thing, he's just mm-hmm. a brilliant actor. And I love that he plays it practically Shakespearean. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> well, he's so, Mr. He's Lamar. So- you use your tongue prettier than a twenty dollar whore, <laughs> and he really did. He did. Well, he's he really is. He's so committed. You can see it, like in everything that he does. Yeah. Just the level that he takes it to. I think that's why he's so funny. Yeah. Because it's like he's he's past the point of being like, oh, I'm a character. He's like, I am the character. Well, he's just a brilliant straight man all the way through. I think, yeah. and with his little like little moments where he like breaks down and will be like, with the <laughs> my froggy, froggy love froggy. daddy. Froggy, <laughs> where's my froggy? Ribbit. Quick! Get it! Quick! Quick tag it! Oh. <laughs> so good. So yep. good. Okay, so question for you ladies and Sean. Uh, <laughs> favorite quote from the movie since oh, of all these. Oh man, mm. that's that's hard. It's really Can I hard. say it? <laughs> go Mine's ahead. a block of quotes. Uh, Alright, go for it. We work up a number six on them. A number six? I'm afraid I'm not familiar with that one. Well, that's where we go a-riding into town. A-womping and a-womping. Every living thing that moves within an inch of its life. Except the women folks, of course. You spare the women? No, we rape the shit out of them at the number six dance later on. Because it's horrible. It is horrible. But it is so, like... The, for the time, like in the time that that's the movie set, what that's would have about. just been totally acceptable. Yeah, well, that's like another the, reason. Well, the, what, well, uh, when they're signing up all these uh, the bad guys, and they're like, yeah. you know, you know, we we do rape and arson and rape, and it's like you said we'll rape twice. twice. I like I rape. Like rape. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so dead. It's, it's, it's so dead. And the thing is, is that's really touchy. Yeah. Yeah. No like, yeah. That, it's really touchy. And at the time that the movie set, like rape wasn't even really like. A thing people yeah. gave a shit about. It was it just was like just part oh, of the deal. Oh yeah, that shit happens. Which I, is, I think it kind of like highlights what gets glossed over yeah. in Western movies of like, wow, there's a lot of bad mm-hmm. stuff happening too. Well, yeah. and I think that's why this, you know, so it's so easy to say like what Mel Brooks is doing is, you know, it's edgy and it's racy, and sometimes it's a little bit across the line, like yeah. you know, making the gay jokes. But I think the reason that he does it a huge part of it is to actually just expose it. Sure, you know, yeah, and, and make you laugh at it. So. Yeah. And but give you that feeling of, of discomfort because if if you're not uncomfortable, 
then you're you don't get the joke. Yeah. And Kyla hit the nail on the head. That is the reason why it's my favorite quote of the movie because it's <laughs> the one that makes me and the people watching it feel the most uncomfortable, but at the same time makes you think about the time. Yeah, no kidding. And it's a moment I I don't think a lot. It it's the moment I don't think a lot of people notice, and that's why that's my favorite part. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, I think thinking about this movie being made today, and I know you you alluded to it earlier. I think this movie would have gotten an NC-17 if it was made today because of how sensitive it is. Now yeah. we're, we're in a world that is hypersensitive to homophobic jokes, to anti-Semitic jokes, to any racial jokes, and also to, I mean, we're, this, the whole idea of this, that we're trying to make an anti-rape culture, you know? All those things, I think, would have made it really hard for it to get released. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if it would be NC-17 so much as I don't think they could get it made. Oh, yeah. yeah it's true. Uh, it wouldn't get that far. I mean, it would have to be, like, crowdfunded on the web, and then Probably. they would receive lots of bad PR through angry tweets from people. Or it would be, like, like on a cult level, like, Orgasmo yeah. or something like that. It would have gotten, yeah. <laughs> gotten the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, but <laughs> or maybe at Sundance, but it would not have gotten a national release. Mm-mm. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, which leads me into, I have to start this conversation. Does the fact that a movie like this couldn't be made today because we're so uncomfortable with the jokes mean that we have moved forward as a culture or that we're kind of moving backward because we're saying what we can and can't joke about? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up too. I mean, yeah, it's great that we're becoming more aware of it. But the thing is, I think like we've all been saying, you got to look at it in the context of when it was made and what it was reflecting of the time it's it's portraying too. And yeah, I kind of feel like our culture is getting really sensitive to this kind of stuff. I mean, I we, we, how many discussions have we had behind the scenes for Deuteronomy for the gags that we're afraid to release because we don't want to offend somebody? Yeah. You know? When we get too sensitive to the point where we're just uncomfortable and we can't laugh at the things that make up the, the, the culture behind us, I think that's where we, we start to swing the other way, where we start to get so sensitive that we become insensitive. In, um, yep. And I think this is this is one of my big problems. You know, I studied, I did gender studies, and I'm, you know, I love debating the the relative merit of like how far is too far, like to the point where it's like we stop using the patriarchal language, and we, I don't know, I get I get very um, torn because there's a part of me that says, okay, yes, we need to be able to distance ourselves from this from the kind of language that has made up the culture before us because the culture before us was insensitive and did have, I mean absolutely horrible practices and, and instilled these these words and these habits and these behaviors in a way that was very insidious. Like we didn't even, we as we create language, we create the culture. Right. And then we use that language even after we start lashing back out at the culture. And so right. we, we create this weird rift. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little No, no not family. at all. No, I totally we, get it. we need to get this this deep on Yeah. It. But I just I think if we can't Get to, if we get to a point where we are so sensitive all the time, we're just going to keep bleeding and we're never going to let the wounds heal. Right. And I also think mm. to a certain extent, the more sensitive we are of becoming hush-hush, the more mm-hmm. we sweep things under the rug. Yes. And the exactly. more we're bound to repeat history later on. Absolutely. And hence yeah. why I have problems with when certain publishers decided to rework Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. And, By taking the N-word out. And they yeah. took the N-word out and instead of it being N-word Jim, it was Slave Jim. Um and that's horrible. And granted, I'm not even fully comfortable saying the N-word, yeah. hence why I'm doing it this way. But at the same time, reading it in print, seeing it in a movie, that kind of thing, it's still keeping it in the forefront of my mind that, like, yeah, yeah that was a, that was reflective of a time. Yeah, yeah, and we need to, I think the overall point is we need to recognize it and accept it for what it was 
and move on. I mean, I, I I think of two times in my theatrical career where I've had to do plays where it's been changed. When I did Tom Sawyer, granted I was like 11, 12 years old, and it was a children's theater company, they changed the name of, In- of Injun Joe. He was Boogeyman Joe all of a sudden because people weren't comfortable. This is Saratoga, California, mind you. So you have a lot wow. of... Wow, Boogeyman Joe's almost more offensive. Yeah. They, they kept him the same ethnicity, then it's just like, these yeah. people are the Boogeyman children. Yeah, no, I know, no, right? Run as fast they, as you can. They did not cast a Native American as... Uh, as Injun Joe, um, they are as Boogeyman Joe in this case. And when I was in Peter Pan, we had to change. We didn't call Tiger Lily and their group the Piccaninny Tribe, uh, which isn't of itself offensive. Um, we didn't call them Redskins, and that was that was a choice made by the director. And I was like, well, and again for the same reason because it's Saratogans, and we have these, you know, basically it's white guilt is what it comes yeah. back down to. Well, we fucked up everything, and we're, we feel guilty when we have. We don't want to be reminded. It's not a bad anything. thing. Everybody should have a a little bit. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, I mean, I don't know if this is a good time to kind of bring up the vocabulary elephant in the room, which I know we've discussed a little bit beforehand. But the N-word is a big part of this as well. And I think... You know, it's it's used very. I mean, it's used in the movie, which is another reason why it could never be made today, um, because they'd have to bleep it or call it the N word or put a huge rating on it. But you know, I think again, it's about being able. Language language is uh, a huge and very powerful tool that we have. It's it's a weapon and it's also um, a way to build. Um, and I think that you know, as we look at at movies, especially because th- we're carrying th- this language. You know, we've recorded it, right? And we're bringing it to show other people. Um, I think it's important to note that, like, using that word, the way that they use that word with consent and with, you know, um, Richard Pryor and Cleavon Little actually helping write the script and direct where that word was appropriate, you know, I think it's important for us to kind of keep that in mind as yeah. we look because back Because it's, it's it. owning it. Yeah, exactly. It's owning it and saying, look, this is, this is a thing that we have. Let's use it in the best way we possibly can. Right. And again, we make a joke out of it, right? right. But it's one that we feel uncomfortable making. And so it forces us to think yeah. about why am I uncomfortable yeah. when Mel Brooks pulls aside Cleavon Little and says, I want to talk to you about that knit. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, it goes so much back to intentions. And this, this problem goes back all the way to theater, is that audiences sometimes have a very hard time separating mm-hmm. the context of the world of, of the script or the world of the play, the world of the film, and reality. Like, we're understanding, yes, this is offensive. This is offensive. We This is not a reflection of who we are as people. We are displaying the offensive material so you guys are all aware of it basically that's what, yeah. we're, all, and that's most, what we're all saying here yeah and most movies and comedies that do it right when they use that word or use a lot of racial epithets when you see the movie they they show you what happens but then it's filmed in a way that's like see what fucking idiots and assholes these people are that are so racist it reminds me back to uh, gene wilder's quote these are just simple farmers these are people of the land the common clay of the new west you know, morons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part where he's like, what did you expect? Come on in, have a drink, marry our daughters. <laughs> I think, well, and this kind of actually goes back to a, a through line with a lot of Mel Brooks movies, um, starting with the producers and all the way to the end. Um, the reason why he makes so many Hitler jokes, and I talked about this in a blog post that I did a while back of like reoccurring Mel Brooks gags, but the reason why he focuses so much on Nazi jokes and making Hitler jokes is because his main goal when he's doing comedy is if I can ridicule Hitler to the extent that people just see him as a clown and as a joke, then something like that will never happen again. Yeah. 
And so like that kind of motivation, if you look at that kind of behind the satire of Blazing Saddles, you really kind of get the idea of like just nothing like this should happen. Why is it happening? Yeah, it's um, so let's make fun of it. Exactly, you mock it to the point where it becomes completely ridiculous. Yeah, you take the power away. Yeah, I mean, once you you change the connotation of the word or the image or you know uh, whatever, it becomes a joke, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's called disempowerment empowerment. There we go. Yeah, so there you go. Yep, there you go. Like, wow, Sean, that go, was go, Sean. Go, yeah. no, I'm thinking of really. <laughs> think, think of a you odds uh, see. Yeah. Thinking of the, you know what? I'm getting this dick jokes tattoo removed tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, and to think of like a real life example of that is like, was it the openly gay Jewish African American uh, section of the KKK? And they wear it like they like when they have like meetings, they wear the old <laughs> KKK regalia, but it's in bright purple. <laughs> and it's like we watch Teletubbies on a daily basis or something like that. Like that's the sign they have, and it's blatantly. It's look this up. This is totally true. The openly gay African American Jewish. Wow. section of the Ku Klux Klan. That's <laughs> crazy. But it, you know, I would love to wear that as a Halloween costume, but I feel like it would be misinterpreted. Right. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not joking. It is like purple and sequins oh like versions of the KKK wow. outfit. It's hilarious. But I but I do love that like basically what this discussion is kind of boiled down to, that is why this movie is so damn important. Yes. That is why this movie is in the Library of Congress. Yeah. And and the fart scene. But mostly <laughs> <laughs> mostly because Hitler the N-word and yes. Lots of other really, really bad things that make us feel uncomfortable can't make us feel uncomfortable. There we go. To quote Max Bialystok, this is a work that will offend people of all creeds, religions, and races. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think that's that's like kind of Mel Brooks, um, like if you had to pick a tagline for him, that's it right there. Yeah. But he's so brilliant at it. Actually, and I think probably maybe... Maybe this is a just kind of a sweeping statement that I'm going to make right now, and I might re- want to retract it later. But I feel like as the movies he made got less offensive, mm-hmm. then that's where their quality diminished. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, he kind of as he got. But that I don't know if that was his fault or if that was studios who wouldn't make the movies with the jokes he wanted to make. I don't Maybe. think he's changed at all. I don't think he's I, changed. I don't think that there was that much in Robin Hood or in Dracula Dead and Loving It that had anything culturally yeah. relevant to say. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he, he went from style parodies to full-on parodies, and I think the shift started happening, not as so much with Young Frankenstein, though that was his first Spaceballs. deliberate Spaceballs. parody. It was with par- it was Spaceballs, exactly. Yeah. And he even admitted that that was the first film he did where he stopped being an artist and just went for sheer gags. Yeah. But in and the, you can tell. But that's the, yeah, his, but that's it's his, still fucking gorgeous yeah and we're that, all assholes that's <laughs> exactly and that's still his highest grossing movie too yeah. which i don't understand movies. i like i was like but everything before that is so good mm-hmm. and we're definitely gonna it have was... an episode at the end of our mel brooks where because hey by the way guys this is lasting all month um we're gonna go into February yeah, strap in this. fuckers yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um and the last one i'm going to talk about is the mel brooks movies that i think that are really important to see that you probably haven't seen so yeah, that's oh, awesome. Yes, <laughs> so agree. excited. Well, you know, because there's two I got in that nine pack that I haven't seen, and it's the twelve chairs that Sarah mentioned earlier. His, and right. like, to be what is like to be? I haven't right. seen that well, either. To think, be or not to be, he didn't write, but he and Anne Bancroft are in it, and it's still a very Mel Brooks esque movie. Yeah, and uh, okay. 12, 12 chairs is like his only dramatic piece I think he's ever done. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. so the only one I haven't seen, the only official Mel Brooks movie that I have not seen is uh, Life Stinks. Yeah. And that's the only one I don't own also. And, and uh, the reason why he said that uh, he I'm started... Committed. I mean, the whole reason why he started Brooks Films was because 
if it was Mel Brooks Presents, everyone expected it to be a comedy. But yeah. that's how he was able to get away with movies like The Elephant Man. Right. People forget that Mel Brooks was executive producer and like the mm-hmm. the clout force behind that movie, which was right. a very dramatic film. Right. And one of David Lynch's first major films, mm-hmm. other than like Eraserhead. So it's like, I mean, when you look at Mel Brooks, I mean, we're going to be repeating this all, all month, but if you look at just how brilliant he is and how far he's come, I mean, he started off on your show of shows with mm-hmm. Sid Caesar. I mean, that was like the golden era because you got Sid Caesar. Carl Reiner, Neil Simon, Woody Allen, and him, you know? It was amazing. Like, if I could roll around in that room. <laughs> I would give any amount of money. Like, if, if we had a TARDIS, that's where I'm going. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, forget the Middle Ages or the 1920s or anything. No. Just hang out on set yeah. for a day. Yeah. See, now, here's the thing, though. But the, were there any female writers on that? Mm. Well, I mean, I think the female actresses had a lot of input into the, so. the script. But, I mean, but what names do we remember? I know, right? Exactly. Oh, that's, yep. that's the patriarchy. <laughs> Let's take them down, guys. Feminist tackles go up. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, I, I would think of that, the parallel to today would be like um, the Saturday Night Live era where you're talking about like Tina Fey and Kristen Wiig yeah. and mm-hmm. Amy Poehler. Right, right, right. And, you know, so, so we're getting ours now, basically. Yes, yes. on a gas right. and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's definitely making its full circle. Just he's such a brilliant guy, and we're going to continue talking about him all month long. Why don't we get in some feedback? Yeah. Yes. Listener feedback. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, first one comes back from John, uh, also known as El Fuego Pistola on Twitter. His subject is written: uh, Sean inflicted OCD. Message: Mr. Sean Moriarty. I would say this is hate mail. Other than your random interjections of off-the-wall explicit explosions of morally unsound comments are fucking great. I have developed a routine that has almost made me look and feel OCD. For the record, John is a police officer. Uh, I listen to the podcast while on patrol, and thus there are many ways that an audio from my patrol unit can escape and that either be recorded and or transmitted. EXE recorded on my uh, in-car video, transmitted through the PA system, transmitted through my in-car and or portable radio, and or simply out the window to be heard by some blue-haired old woman who then shits herself, slips on her own <laughs> shit, and breaks her hip. Parenthesis, good thing I'm close for that medical call. Reverse parenthesis. My routine consists of checking my wireless mic, checking my computer to make sure that it's not recording, making sure that my portable radio is off, and then finally rotating the mic for my in-car radio so that my leg cannot accidentally key it up. I do this routine when I start an NOF episode and repeat it any time that you get disorderly misconduct-ish. Keep it up. It keeps me awake. Thanks. I, I could just imagine him, like, calling something in on his radio, and in the background you just hear me saying, like, Giant cocks! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sure with the Christmas episode. Oh my God! Uh, thanks, uh, John. I'm not going to say your last name, and of course, at El Fuego Pistola. So that was beautiful. Thanks, John. You <laughs> you gave my life new meaning. Oh, uh, real quick, I got a uh, got a quick shout out to my brother Mike, who happens to be texting me right now, and he was checking to see how I feel, Aww. and I was like, "Well, I'm recording right now," and he's like, "Oh, shout out!" So here's here's your <laughs> shout out, Mike. Thanks for checking up on me. You're the best big brother ever. What's up, Mike? I'm gonna try to do Mike's. Mike's What's happening now? <laughs> oh, his little his little squeal when he yeah. got like all happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we never did. Uh, we haven't given him a guest spot on this on the show yet. Let's have him on the set this month. We Why were not? we were gonna have him on. Well, he was. I would try to get him in on the zombie episode last minute. I know but that didn't work out. I know. I know. So we'll have to find something else. Mike, pick a good topic for February or something. We'll figure it out. This next one's from Tom. Subject line: Not a film fan. Then why are they wow. listening to this Way podcast? Wow, to hook us. 
Yeah, um, I'm. I'm. I'm already buddy. not. I was that like, pleased. wait, not a film fan, as in you don't like films or you don't like nerds on film. And I was like, I'm really sad. I, know. I was like, yeah, this is how I started reading it. <laughs> you know what? Not a film fan. Not that impressed. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we love you, Tom. Even though this is your first piece of feedback that you've given us, it goes on to say, "I'm a longtime fan, and I thought I'd write in every week. I look forward to letting you penetrate my auditory canals, and damn, is it good." Funnily enough, I'm not a huge film fan. I came for the nerds on history. That's what she said. He put that in parentheses. <laughs> nice. But stayed for nerds on film. Not because you talk about movies that I love, but because you understand what it means to be nerds and you're all hilarious, sick-minded freaks. Most times when you say, if you haven't seen this movie, why the fuck are you listening to this? I haven't seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I just enjoy listening to people talk about what they're passionate about and get enjoyment out of that. That is what you deliver week in, week out, and I can't thank you enough for that. I often save your episodes up and wait till I feel like shit because you always bring a smile to my face. Aw, that's so Aww. sweet. Hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll be starting my first real job and can reimburse you for this service. Just a bit of praise from a thankful fan from Brisbane, Australia. Much love, Tom. You know, whenever we get this positive feedback um, for Nerds on Film, I always feel a little bit more assured that... I may not be entirely damaging my career outside of here. Uh, the fact that we have like this absolutely horrible, explicit podcast that I'm not sure if I should have on my resume. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I have questioned like because I've wanted, I thought about taking, you know, jobs at my alma mater. Yeah. Uh, because they pay decently well, and I could like easily work there in technology or something. And I thought, wait a second, I do a podcast that's really not friendly for this. I'm kind of worried. Yeah. Um, like one of my old teachers is one of my clients I work with. At work now, uh-huh. I'm like I've told her about nerds on film, and I've also warned her like it 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 is so not like how I was in high school. Like it is so right. yeah. But but if she remembered me in high school, oh, she does. <laughs> she'd be like, I understand completely. <laughs> <laughs> our last piece of feedback comes from our good old pal Dino, and it says, "Nof, can you do me a favor?" In perfect Dino speak, I love. Hey, that. we 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 can always do a favor for yous. He says, "Hey nerds, how are you guys?" I know I haven't won any of the Facebook contests recently, but I was wondering if yous could do a loyal listener favor slash shout out. If it's not a problem, he wants us to ask for him. Gabrielle, will you be Dino's girlfriend? I know. This is so cute. Uh, you so- fucking better be Dino's <laughs> oh my God, it's girlfriend. So we're fucking coming. <laughs> Ga- you understand? Gabrielle, yeah. let me let me um, just give you a little insight here. Say yes. Yeah. Even if you mean no, say yes now. Bring him down gently later. Dino, <laughs> I love you, man. I've never met you, but I love you. If she says no, you tweet us. We will we will buy you beer. We yeah. will we, we will make this work. And I don't, if you're underage, I do not mean that. That is me just saying that for moral support. But seriously, tweet us. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you're of legal drinking age, we will we will help support you through this sad sad time. If you are over eighteen but under twenty one, Sean will send you free. I don't porn. know about you, but I call <laughs> I call alcohol therapy in a bottle. What? She's the same. And uh, if she says no, uh, you just tweet me at Big Sean Mo, and uh, places where there used to be kneecaps, there's just not going to be any more kneecaps. <laughs> I love how you guys can take this beautiful, adorable moment and just twist it. <laughs> um, congratulations, guys. We're excited for you. Yes, yes. If this works totally. out, yes. we're super excited. If it doesn't yeah, work awesome. out, awesome. Hopefully within 15 minutes after our movie quotes you shouldn't say during sex, which Dino should say during sex, just to kind of christen the relationship. Yep, that would be <laughs> wow. good. That would be awesome. Send us pictures post-coitus. Just please don't tweet them. Oh, my God. No, fuck that. Send us pictures mid-coitus. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh god no oh wait no. i forgot we <laughs> talked about this earlier and i said i had to have this nugget of info for both dino and gabrielle and that is that it's 2014 and anal is not off the table on a first date anymore <laughs> so don't oh be my approved. god and that goes for both of you if you well, want to put a fist in his ass or he wants to put something in your ass there should be Anal reciprocation. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Here, here, Sean, remove my name. (laughs) Sean, Sean. First of all, they've already been dating. Okay, so there's that. They just—it's just not like official, official. Okay. Second of all, so they should be elbow deep by now. They should have already like. (laughs) Second of all, everything you've been working on. Gabrielle, Gabrielle, seriously, anal. You could just reserve that for birthdays and anniversaries, all right? You don't birthdays have to. Birthdays and anniversaries, exactly. <laughs> oh you have gosh. to do it on your wedding night. It's something that no, my grandmother you, know, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Don't down listen to, to Sean. You know what? I guarantee you guys, you know, I'm so happy for you. If there wasn't the awkward tension now, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you. Hey, if she's a listener of Nerds on Film, then she'll get it, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> she's prepared. I, at, at no point did Dino ever say, uh, you guys should talk about a lot of anal also. <laughs> so we apologize. Yeah, we added that. I like part. how you make him sound like a, a thug from Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't even know what he sounds like. Okay, so that's just how he writes, you guys. And he does it just and he does it cuz we like it. It's it's true. Uh, I enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah, exactly. Before we wrap up for this evening, before you go off on your merry way for the week, let's do some shameless self-promotion, shall we? So, um, one thing that has changed about Nerdonomy since the end of the year is uh, we're official. And what I mean by official is we've been asking for donations for a few months now, and that's been great, but we're we're now a business. Like, we're, we're the real deal. We got the tax ID and everything. Thanks for saying that on the air, Brian. Now I got to actually do my taxes right, dick. <laughs> yeah, cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> but what I mean by that now is one of the things you're going to be noticing from us uh, through Neuronomy is that we're going to start putting ads on our podcasts because we're trying to make a make a living at this now. So we, we've been a user-supported podcast through donations. We are so grateful for that, and please keep them coming. We're almost, we don't, almost have the computer paid off. Uh, we've been giving donations through materials, too. We've had people generously donate here to our Nerd Cave. We had a, a local listener come to the Nerd Cave and install a faux ceiling uh, to keep us warm. Uh, John, we owe you so much for that. Now it's time for us to you know, see if you can pay us back another way. And the way we're going to do that for this episode is we're going to put a link for Blazing Saddles, or maybe a couple links for Blazing Saddles, in the episode. If you guys click on that link, we will get a commission off of that for anything else you buy on either the iTunes store or on the Amazon store. So uh, if you want to say thank you, that's your way of saying thank you without being able to directly give money to us. If you don't own Blazing Saddles, you should buy it, and Amazon's the best place to go. Yeah, but we do have the official affiliation with iTunes already. So you can, if you rent it on iTunes, we'll we'll get that And iTunes is also an awesome way to go. (laughs) Yep. Amazon and iTunes are both fantastic services that I use on the regular. Although, if you don't get the tangible disc, you won't be able to have the commentary or a lot of the special features. This is true. Which you can also buy on Amazon. So It actually is really nice (laughs) to have that extra DVD feature shit. Because um, the DVD commentary or interview, it's not really commentary for the movie. But the interview that Mel Brooks does is actually really fascinating. Um, iTunes does have iTunes Extras, which is all the DVD special features as a separate file that gets downloaded. Damn it. They do exist. All right. so, I feel like we're sharks and jets like Amazon and iTunes. Da-dum, da-dum. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Uh, anyway, folks, uh, 
If you'd like to keep the conversation going about Nate Blazing Saddles, please, by all means, hit us up on social media. You can go to our Facebook and Twitter handles at Erdonomy, but you also can go to our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16 And I'm at Big Sean Moe. What about you, Kyla? I'm at Miss Skinny Jeans, M-I-S-S-S-K-I-N-N-Y-G-E-N-E-S. And even though I was relatively silent in this episode, you may reach me on Twitter at Intrusive Allen. That's A-L-E-N. Indeed. <laughs> you have to I make sure you spell Alan correctly. I a lot of money to have my name officially changed to Alan with one L. <laughs> 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 and no A. Because if it had one L and an A, that's bullshit. Or two L's and an E, that's bullshit. So one L, one E, no frills, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's going to be like the title of his autobiography. And- <laughs> <laughs> that he writes when he's like on a vision quest in <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> one L and one A is bullshit. <laughs> the Alan story. Uh, the Alan story. So Sarah, before we uh, really officially turn it in for the night, what's next week's movie? I believe next week we're going to talk um, Young Frankenstein. Oh, Young Frankenstein! Which is very, very good. Be prepared for Brian to just pretty much recite the movie because he can. <laughs> yes, that's I, seen it done. And I, I used to be, be able to. I used to be able to recite it pretty damn Sean, well. Sean, we have too. to do I've the lost the skill. Sean, but. if you'll be Igor, I'll be Doctor Fra- oh, Frankenstein. Oh. We have to do the Abby Normal scene. We have to. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> All right. I also want to do <laughs> Inspector Kemp. Oh, Is it Frankenstein! <laughs> Hello, would you like to go for a roll and say hey? It's fun, see? Roll, roll, roll and say hey! What a riot! I'll oh, take your doctor. Sink. Want. Okay, 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 okay. Started. You can't shoot our load now. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to do it so much. But those are the, those are the things Control that we'll yourself. see next week. So until then, stay nerdy and tune into us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Footsteps, footsteps, footsteps. And roll credits. And now... Movie quotes you should not say during sex. Of course you'll have the good taste not to mention that I spoke to you.